Welcome to the Wumlex Show, episode number 41. The Wumlex Show is presented to you by Bright Payments uh, with Lena as host, Debt Agency with Wilhelm as host, and myself, uh, CEO and founder of Spriker System, Alex. Today our guest is uh, Philippe de Chanville. He is founder of Mano Mano, the do-it-yourself platform that really makes a dent now in the do-it-yourself ecosystem in Europe. They're um, heading to a 1 billion GMV in 2020. They're entering the German market. They started with that in 2019. And with uh, Philip, I discuss the pros and cons of this market, why they were able actually to break through the online paradigm because the DIY industry is pretty much um, uh, brick and mortar focused, a part of um, Hornbach, obviously, one of the um, leading e-commerce DIY businesses in Germany. Um, it is a super entertaining podcast, so Philippe is super open and very honest about his uh, his view on the market, about his learnings on the on the business. We also talk a lot about uh, a lot about of the numbers, um, and uh, um, I'm really proud that um, he was willing to be guest at the Wumnik Show. So please enjoy manumano.com. Welcome, Philippe, to our new podcast series about uh, how to survive in Corona times. Uh, do it yourself. That's the topic. Uh, please introduce yourself. Who are you? What kind of company are you working for? Hi, Alex. So I'm Philippe. I'm one of the two founders with Christian Resson of Mano Mano. Mano Mano is a, a marketplace dedicated to the DIY industry. Uh, so selling building and gardening materials. Uh, I am half French, half American, and German by heart. I spent uh, uh, more than a year in Freiburg and Breisgau studying there, and then uh, quite a few months in Munich with my brother, who's got a house there. Uh, I studied business, finance, happens to a lot of people, uh, but you can get out of it, and the proof is uh, I worked in London uh, in private equity and then in venture capital in Paris. That's where I discovered startups and that amazing world of entrepreneurs. Um, and the day I met my co-founder, Christian, we realized that we had something in common, actually something in common with you, Alexander, because uh, we're both, um, with Christian, very keen DIYers. We, we were both rebuilding our houses um, and um, we both had in mind that we wanted to create a company. Now, we didn't put both ideas together Uh, immediately, it took us six months to understand that actually being a Kindia wire and wanting to create a company did mean there was an opportunity. But we ended up founding Mano Mano back in 2013 um, when we realized that our experience as, um, as customers on the DIY segment was quite poor. And now I'm talking to you, Alex, and I'm sure you know, um, you know what I'm talking about when you actually want to go to a big box shop And after traveling half an hour with your car, you look for some space on the parking lot. Then you look for a trolley that's actually working. Then you go in the shop. You know what you need, but you don't know what it's called. You go through um, the shelves. You can't find the stuff. You go three times around the shop to try and look for a sales assistant who's telling you that it's time for his coffee break or he specializes with gardening. Actually, you need to speak to the plumbing guy. Basically, you spend your morning buying something, queuing at the tills getting back home and when you start uh, unpacking everything to start your DIY, you realize that you forgot to buy one of the critical bits. 
And that same afternoon, you're back in your car, back to the shop, and you've lost your whole weekend, basically. In a nutshell, um, that is a bit uh, a stereotype. But with Christian, we really got the impression that our experience as customers um, in a shop uh, wasn't perfect. There was something missing, mainly choice uh, and personalized advice. And that is why uh, when we realized that online was only less than 5% of this vertical back in 2013, we thought there was something to be done. And that's exactly when Amazon launched their own home DIY and garden section. And so we thought it was a, a good timing if even a, a small website like Amazon was doing the same thing. Obviously, it was a good timing uh, uh, because you, you grew to uh, very decent numbers um, and you had a big financing round with uh, more than 100 million uh, uh, cash injected in, in, the comp in, in the company. Can, can you give us a, like a rough estimate? Um, I think a TechCrunch article I read about your financing round, uh, it was telling about in 2019, 600 million GMV, so uh, uh, gross, uh, uh, the, the gross revenue. Um, is it more or less correct? So are we ta still talking about uh, 600 million, 50% per year uh, revenue growth? Uh, uh, so a super bullish business model, is it true? Yes, absolutely. Actually, um, we've never done less than 50% growth year on year. 620 million was last year in terms of that's our GMB last year. Um, growing faster this year, thanks to, uh, amongst other things, the COVID and, and the confinement period. Uh, but also strong growth in the international countries. We're in five countries. We start off in France, but very quickly we went to Spain and Italy to try and, you know, test out international markets, see if we we're able to do it. And then we tackled in 2016 the key markets for us. And the key market is, number one, Germany, the biggest market in Europe. I'm sure we'll come back to it later. And secondly, the UK, which is bigger than France, but not quite as big as Germany, which is a, a 42 um, billion euro market for uh, B2C customers. UK? And so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. 42 billion. Yeah, so so that, that's impressive uh, impressive numbers. And coming back to your initial statement about the uh, uh, DIY experience, so uh, um, I'm not 100% sure if I, if I can agree because uh, usually we say when it comes to DIY uh, retail experiences, so uh, for the DIY fans, the big... DIY box is that what for our wives the Douglas stores yeah you know it's like you, you go in and you find it, it, it's kind of always an, ins an inspiration but there's the other saying and there you're right about service and it's like a it's a little bit to uh, to, 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 to to mock the DIY industry if you really are looking out for a quiet space on the weekend where you can relax so you have to go in a, in a DIY market uh, to the info counter yeah it's like super quiet there nobody's going to be there so nobody's going to help you and this uh, and disturb you so so it's like it's both perspectives are Both perspectives are right, but when I remember correctly, and I'm and I'm um, and, and, and I have uh, I've done a lot of like research in DIY industries and have been a lot of there um, on, on the events. There was always like the 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 um, the big um, challenge of bringing this kind of assortment online because if you're if you're looking on a on a on a on a parket. Uh, 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 park a slot in front of a DIY market and look what people are buying. Of course, they are buying sometimes uh, screws and bits and, and smaller parts, especially when it comes to painting and renovating. But very often they are um, they are they are buying stuff like um, cement um, or uh, floor panels or heavy stuff, very heavy in logistics, uh, very heavy for the 2013 um, e-commerce logistics environment. So, 
maybe can you tell us how this story grew from 2013 when you said, okay, let's just build an online shop to where you are today? What, have, what has changed? How, how did you overcome those barriers? It's a very interesting question, Alexander. And, and I love your statement about the shops. It's, it's, it's very correct. Um, and yet, one of the reasons for our growth is that shops have got inherent limits um, that internet does not have. And let me explain why. Um, indeed, when we launched in 2013, we, um, we were faced with a market where there was no digital. And you know, one of the reasons for this could be that customers um, uh, need to load stuff in their car and they need to touch the product. That's what some people say. Um, now, the truth is about this market in terms of um, digitalization um, is for customers, it's actually easier uh, for big material, for big uh, bulky items to be delivered at home rather than they have to fit the swimming pool or the garden shed in the boots of your Polo, Volkswagen. It just won't fit. You will have to be delivered at home anyway. As long as you want something bulky, the shop will have to deliver it to your place. E-commerce means it can be delivered within 24 hours or three days straight in your back garden. So you don't even have to bother going and order it on a catalog in a shop. That's for the bulky item, and, and that's one the, that is one of the advantages. But what I would say is are the three main advantages of the digital today, and the reason for the growth is the choice. Because you're right, uh, you and I were both gear wires, and I don't know if everyone can understand that, but... For many years and still today, it is my pleasure just for my hobby to walk through a DIY store and look at products because I love looking at chainsaws and, and all the stuff for the garden. I like looking at new tools. But the truth is, in a DIY store, in a big box shop, you have on average 50,000 to 60,000 SKUs. On a marketplace, we've got four, on our marketplace, Mano Mano, we've got 4 million SKUs. And the truth is, if you're doing renovation, of any kind of building that is over 20 years of age, you're going to look for non-standard products. Not only non-standard, but some of the things you will need are non-standard products. And that is when you're going to start driving the whole weekend from one shop to another to try and find the product you're looking for. And that is what brought us, Christian and I, online. We were thinking, we're spending so much time looking for products we can't find in, in, in shops. And that is because shops have naturally got an, a limited assortment. That's the first thing, choice. And the second element of the digital adventure is price. Because the whole point of being in a shop is if you're there, you've got the product under your nose, you know that's the one you need, you just buy it. But when you're online, you're able to compare prices. And all of a sudden, it's just not a matter of buying the right product. It's a matter of buying the right product at the right price. And that is what internet brings to you. And to be honest, talking about the shops I know around my house, um, for a small bit of plastic tube, Prices were widely overrated because the margins in this tree aren't bad at all. Or at least they weren't bad until internet came in and customers started seeing the right price in many cases. And the third thing is advice, where, which we've talked about. Okay, I think like if I would look on this uh, from, a, um, from a DIY retail perspective, I think prices are usually fair because you have a lot of like, let's say the, the small plastic tubes big part of the price is that you have to pay for like the inventory management because sometimes uh, 
a plastic tube is only sold like once a month and you have to pay for the whole uh, for the whole lot uh, over the year and uh, uh, so it's not super 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 True. super yeah. cool super cool to have it um, maybe let's uh, uh, before we go into into like those different like assortment types and what is like what if i would ask my if i was asking my wife uh, uh, if, if if she can think about like four million products versus sixty thousand products it's like kind of unthinkable yeah because like if you guy if you go in a diy store it like they have everything they have like 10 different chainsaws but there are like hundreds i know uh, um, but uh, uh, maybe can you explain a little bit more like your business model you all already told it's kind of a marketplace model so if i hear marketplace i understand you don't own the inventory risk so you don't you don't have own warehouses or you might have might have warehouses as a service Uh, uh, infrastructure but you don't own the inventory the whole risk uh, uh, lies at the uh, provider of the inventory absolutely so what we do is we enable sellers merchants to leverage their stock and have another way of selling the stock um, the way we work at Mano Mano is very specific because we are only a marketplace most marketplaces you know about are both a marketplace and a retailer and that's a very traditional Uh, way of doing business, which works quite well. But you do have to bear in mind that when you do that, you're in competition between the retail part of your business and the marketplace part of your business. Because when you're selling the same product, say, let's talk about uh, a Bosch drill, for example, a green Bosch drill you sell for Father's Day for 50 euros. Well, your marketplace sellers will have it and you will have it yourself in stock. You, you kind of have to have it. And of course, both products and both sellers are going to be Uh, competing against each other and as a as as a retailer you will have to decide well who gets the pay box who gets the best offer and who gets to see who gets the most exposure to the customers on the website is it my own stock or is it the the seller's marketplace stock and that creates a dilemma and and who is the seller in your case is it re is it like manufacturers or could it be like a big box retailer itself or is it like uh, free diy stores that are then listing their assortment online it's mainly um either uh, importers um or, or or big um uh, big sellers uh, big who are already big with their own internet website and they're looking for additional traffic and additional sales um And the way we do it, we don't do it like a traditional marketplace. So we're only a marketplace. So we don't have this dilemma between selling our own stock or selling someone else's stock. We only sell the seller's stock. And we do it in a way through a partnership. And that's, I would like to highlight this because you know a lot about marketplaces. And marketplaces are usually um, very much in a liberal mindset. As in, open wide the doors. Everyone comes in. And anyone can do business on a marketplace. And that is not the way we see business at Mano Mano. The way we think about it at Mano Mano is, We look for partners, and with these partners, we want to grow and grow the business. That's what we've done with our first partners, where we went from literally zero to over 600 million in five or six years. We grew with them, and over time, they grew their logistics service, they grew their assortment, they grew their customer service to be able to grow their sales. So it's really a partnership. Uh, to give you a figure, we've got less than 3,000 sellers. Mm. On, on normal marketplaces, you've got tens of thousands. And how, do, how does it work when it comes to uh, competition on the product? Let's take the green Bosch drill. So there are like, I, I might imagine there are like 50,000 sellers just in Germany alone selling this kind of uh, drill. So do you have like a competition on the product or do you choose like one seller who is going to be allowed to sell this? 
we've got very, very little competition because we select a partner seller for his assortment on one brand and one category. So we'll say, for example, to this seller, listen, you're going to be the seller of Bosch drills or you're going to be the seller of uh, steel chainsaws or of um, Groet shower trays. And based on that, you're the one who's going to be doing all the sales on those products, but you've got to guarantee us, you know, that you'll be very competitive in terms of prices and that you'll be very competitive in terms of content and online selling. That's a very important thing. But how, how did so if I if I, if if I was looking for a Bosch online drill at Mano Mano versus uh, Amazon.fr, how big are the chances uh, that you're the cheaper one? Sorry, can you say that again? I didn't hear you. Sorry. If, uh, maybe I'm looking for a Bosch on uh, from Bosch drill, the green one, uh, on your marketplace versus like the Amazon version. So how big are the chances that you're the cheaper provider? Um. We benchmark our prices on a daily basis, on a daily basis through against all the people you would find online selling the same product. In over 70% of the cases, we are the same price as the best price on the internet or lower. Hmm. And isn't there an incentive for the manufacturers, in this case, Bosch or Steel or, 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 or others or Makita selling directly uh, through your website as far as they do have the capability of selling uh, to end customers? Because mostly they are in the wholesale business and they want to stay there. But uh, in your case, they must be the ones with, uh, with, uh, with the best uh, pricing point. Yes. Yes, you're right. And we do have partnerships with some big manufacturers. but. What, you're, what you said um, is absolutely the point. Big manufacturers usually do not have the logistics, do not have the customer service, do not have the agility to deal with B2C customers. They deal in bulk and they deal with uh, uh, retailers. And usually either they don't want to or they don't know how to be good themselves digitally. So we partner with some of them and we help them grow and we help them develop their online B2C activity But to be honest, it's, it's not the will of the majority of them to go online and sell direct to the customer. They find it's not their business, and so they'd rather have their own distributors do that, and mainly people who are already online. Okay, got it. So that's like mainly importers then. Uh, um, I got this. Then let's met and have a couple of more questions about like the, uh, the, the business model. Um, You're then earning your money based on the uh, overall like uh, basket size. You're getting like, I don't know, depending on the category, 3%, 10%, whatever uh, is in there uh, for you. Okay, I got at this. Um, how, how do customers find you? Because in the DIY segment, so there are like two types of customers. Some customers that are doing like their renovation like uh, once in five years. So they are just uh, going to the next uh, DIY big store and buying the stuff they find there. And they are like, um, educated customers, uh, I would put our, our, ourself in this, uh, in this in box. How do you find us? Uh, it's a very good question. Um, it's, uh, we've tried a lot of things, I'll be honest. And, and one of the tricky points of e-commerce, as you would know, is, is how do you get customers at the right price? It's extremely difficult, especially if you're a marketplace. The whole point of being a marketplace and a retailer is I've got higher margins overall. But you've got the biases we mentioned earlier. Um, The way we did it at Mano Mano was we did it through algorithms and data. Um, we built our own in-house um, algorithms to try and buy um, traffic online at the best price. And by doing this, um, 
I wouldn't say we partnered with Google, but we had a very, very close relationship with Google engineers. And we constantly uh, benchmarked our own algorithms with Google's. And the result, according to Google's uh, own uh, words, is that we're 20% better in terms of bidding capacity than they are on the DIY vertical. And the reason for this is that our algorithms are specifically conceived and trained on DIY customers buying DIY products. We wouldn't be able to re replicate this in, a, in any other vertical, but we've done it in our vertical because we're sp highly specialized. That's how we started, buying traffic online. And then over time, what we're trying to do is build a brand. So we started uh, spending money, instead of spending it only online on Google, Idealo, and price comparison websites, because we've got good prices, we started spending money building a brand, mainly on you know, advertising networks, um, and in Germany in particular, uh, we've launched since mid-March uh, our primetime TV spots campaign um, on ProSieben, on Sat1, Cabo1, and so on. Um, and um, what we can see is that we've got an approval rating of those advertising of about 85%, which is really quite high. Um, uh, and what we realized is that Germany is probably the country where our DNA uh, is the most aligned with that of the customers because we, our, our, our ads are very much about humor and we don't take ourselves very seriously because we think DIY is something about a hobby and makes people feel good. Um, and that's the kind of tone of voice um, that you can see with our, a lot of our German competitors and that you do not see necessarily elsewhere in Europe. So it's quite interesting to see that. There's a good alignment there. And but but when you're like competing on um, when let's let's just uh, go one step back and then uh, we will see um, uh, a little bit more detail the TV campaign. If you go uh, on bidding, I don't know um, Gardena timer, so some smart device for your uh, watering uh, um, uh, task in in the garden. Um, how do you see the development of the basket then? So people are coming to your website because you're good on Google shopping or that you have a much better presentation of the product than your competitors. Would those people buy more stuff because I see, okay, I don't I just don't go with, with the uh, Gardena uh, uh, watering timer, but like with something else, or do you have to pull them back over your CRM system because you know this person bought a timer so might, maybe you can offer them the uh, the Gardena tube an uh, email campaign something like that because it's like you, in DIY that's different to fashion though products are very specific if somebody yes. uh, is, uh, is buying uh, a device for for cutting floor panels you know there might be a floor paneling project going on and you have like I don't know you can sell a workshop or uh, some something else so how, how does it work It's a very good question, Alex. We've got, we've got two ways of looking at it at Mano Mano. The first way is uh, where and how people live. If people live on a farm, if people live in the countryside, they will browse very different pages than people who live in a flat in, in the city. Um, people who live in the countryside with a, a, a domain and animals and, and occasions to cater to the garden, These people, you will find them on the swimming pool uh, categories, you'll find them on the outdoor categories, on the outdoor tooling categories, on the outdoor consumables categories, and so on. What is likely is that unless these people move and change home and, and move to a city center, these people will remain a garden customer for a long period of time. And so someone who buys a swimming pool one year, you know that the year after that, come spring, you'll be able to target them 
with specialized CRM on how do I maintain my, my, my swimming pool, how do I make it ready for the summer. Then come the autumn, you send them emails on how do I make my swimming pool ready for the winter and so on and so forth. So it's linked to the season. It's even linked to the temperature, the outdoor temperature, because depending on when the temperatures really start increasing, that's when the garden really wakes up. You have a very specialized and dedicated CRM. If people buy with a postcode that is a city center, it's probably not very useful to send them uh, swimming pool ads in the summer. You might want to send them AC ads probably because they'll probably be happy with an AC or uh, fans or something to cool down the flat, but not something for the garden. That's one way of looking at it, where people live. The other way of looking at it is um, their proficiency. Are people power customers? Are people big DIYers? Or are they just here for one project? Or are they just one-off customers? And that is something that um, you can, I wouldn't say easily, but thanks to algorithms, you can infer from the kind of products they're buying within a category, especially tooling. If you, if you consistently buy um, non-technical, lower-end, uh, non-branded tools, it's unlikely you will be a hardcore DIY enthusiast only um, uh, doing DIY with Festool, ELT, uh, uh, and other professional brands. So depending on, on, the, on, on the brands you have, and especially in DIY, brands are hugely important. Depending on the brands you have, it's easy to infer what kind of customer you are and therefore what kind of value you have and therefore how much marketing we should spend helping you um, uh, find your perfect uh, tool set on Mano Mano or the other elements you might need. Okay, I, I understand this from, uh, from a customer uh, perspective. Does it really work? Because that's what usually all online shops or even every marketplace would say that you sent me uh, um, like uh, in, the, in the spring, this kind of how to how to bring up your pool uh, again, how to maintain the water quality. Uh, but most don't do it because they, they, they miss the capability of sending out uh, um, personalized emails. Alex, can you, can you really do it? Right. Alex, you're absolutely right. And, and that is where being an, a native digital is totally different from being um, a, a, an offline native and having to adapt to digital. We've got 10 million clients. It's not much per se, but it's 10 million customers for which we have all the data, the browsing data, each click where the mouse goes. That is tremendous data to train our algorithms. And it's more than enough to be hugely uh, accurate in 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 targeting your customers and i saw on your website your um your entry points for the categories uh you have a lot of it's very content heavy it's almost like how to build your own pool and this kind of content plus commerce was like in the early days in 2013 that was like the the dream of all like e-commerce people like if you like show enough content on how to uh how to how to uh, uh um uh Nicely dress, yeah. That's like how a fashion shop should go. How, how to cook? That's how to sell uh, pants and 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 kitchenware. Uh, how to build a pool? How to uh, maintain your floor panels? That is like DIY. Does it work for you? I like people searching for um, how to do stuff and then buying stuff because that's like a strategy we see a lot at uh, not only German DIY market. So they're like super content heavy. There's like there's like a content workforce employed in these uh, uh, companies and there's so many uh, uh, so many 
um, manuals now, how to build your small uh, birdhouse. Uh, 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 I think more manuals than ever manually birdhouses were built. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Alex, you, you're totally right. But um, you're right. But I think it's, there's a lot of content out there, a lot. But I think one should differentiate between the content that's built for SEO and the content that's built for the customer. Mm -hmm. um, we have all built, especially back in the 2013, 2014 years, exactly what you mentioned earlier, we have all built or drafted content for SEO. Sure, works well for Google, but it doesn't give you a clue as a customer as to how to actually do it. It's way too vague. And if there's one vertical where you need advice, I would say two verticals where you need advice, it's auto parts and it's DIY. And it's very similar because it's hugely technical. I'm sure we're all capable of buying jeans without advice. I'm not sure we are all of us capable of building a greenhouse or choosing even a greenhouse without advice. Mm -hmm. And that is why um, I won't go into the sociological explanation as to why did the previous generation maybe not transmit as much craft uh, to, the, to our generation than they, than they received. Um, what you can, in all the European countries, what you realize is that there's been kind of a drop of craftship, craftsmanship uh, between the generations and that our parents knew how to do DIY quite well, but they didn't necessarily transmit it to our generation, the 20 to 45-year-olds. And as a result, a lot of people are learning through YouTube. YouTube is an amazing place to learn DIY, but it's not quite enough. And so people look out for content on the internet and having that content definitely helps in this vertical to, um, uh, to prove that you're here to help the customer. Okay. Got it. Then, uh, when it comes about the customer, the one of our main questions is usually loyalty. Um, in the early 2010 years, uh, we've seen a couple of business models that got rid of the, uh, being profitable, being profitable with a like first purchase kind of model and saying, okay, if we can dominate our niche, we look at the customer lifetime value. That's going to be good enough. So we can spend as much money as we want on Google, on Facebook, and the customer comes back like 10 times and uh, over the years, we earn money. In your case, how does it work? So are you able to earn money like with a first purchase or uh, do you hope for customer lifetime value? Alex, you speak like a VC investor. I love it. Um, now, now, listen, um, maybe because Christian and I, we both have a finance background, specifically because of that. Um, we're optimistic. We're extremely bullish. Um, but we always wanted our business to be profitable from day one per customer. I'm saying in terms of profitability after variable costs, not necessarily fixed yes. costs, at least variable costs. And so, no, we never went for LTV as um, the way of buying customers for two reasons. A, because especially when you start a business, you don't have enough data to actually pinpoint accurately what LTV really is. It changes too much. Um, B, because we have more than enough growth uh, to demonstrate. The market is big enough. The real difficulty in this market is growing sufficiently profitably to make sure that you're resilient over the long term. And so given our size, and we should be doing a couple of billion billions in the next coming years it's not an issue as how quickly we grow it's an issue as how profitable we're able to be as we grow and therefore invest in the right technological infrastructure and so as a result uh, we don't invest over LTV um, even though now we've got enough data to understand that there's a huge discrepancy between the 
DIY enthusiasts, your power users, who are worth a lot of money, mainly people who live in the countryside and who have a garden and a house, versus uh, urban people who live in a flat, move every two years, they redo their kitchen, but they don't uh, do any DIY work inside the flat because they rent it and they don't have any time or willingness to do any of that. So there's a huge discrepancy and therefore we definitely need to know who your customer is. Okay, and I read in the articles about your financing round that you are um, also targeting professional customers, so people that are uh, doing DIY for a living uh, at yeah. other people's home. Uh, I do it for you. I don't know what this category is called, like professionals. Yeah. Uh, do it for me, uh, yeah. yeah. Is it like a big category for you too? Or is there a chance of beating this category? Because usually those people, they do have like a, not a contract, but a very good relation to local providers. They have their tool set is, uh, uh, is set up. Uh, maybe they're only buying uh, um, tool because they're like working in the wood industry or they're only buying, I don't know, uh, Bosch, uh, uh, Bosch Blue uh, or, 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 or Steel um, stuff. Is there a chance for you to um, tackle those customers too? Now, I'll give you a very private story. The reason why we launched this category is because we realized one day, not too long ago, that 10% of our customers on our B2C website were actually pros from the pro industry. And we thought, why are these? We were thinking exactly like you, what you just said, but these people, they've got contacts, they've got habits, they've been working with our provider for the last 10 years. Why on earth would they come on Mano Mano to buy stuff? And then we realized that they came on Mano Mano to buy uh, tools or products for the same reason as B2C customers, the, tri the choice, Four million articles versus 50,000, plus a couple of hundred thousand on demand and, and the prices. And so we looked into it and realized that the, the, the B2B, the pro market, is actually as big as the B2C market. So the total market in Europe is 200 billion, of which Germany is 62 billion. So Germany is, is a huge quarter of the overall uh, market. My household explains a big chunk of it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I definitely hope you're a customer of ours then. That, that explains it. Um, but yes, now Germany is the biggest market in Europe for DIY by far, for the B2C. But it's also the case for B2B. Hmm. And now when you look at uh, the, those pros, for me, they're my heroes. Because these people, not only do they get up extremely early in the morning, um, but they sacrifice their breakfast with the children every day. Um, to be able to load the material in the shop uh, every morning, to be able to be at the customer's house on the front door at seven o'clock and start the work. And then in the evening, they sacrifice their dinner with the family to be able to do their accounting with their wife and the ordering of the stuff that they will pick up at the shop the next morning. Hmm. This is not a life. These people are amazing, but they are unfortunately not organized. We did a study with hundreds of professionals throughout Europe. On average, they spend 30% of their time between 30 and 35%, not actually working or adding value, just doing their admin stuff. These people are CEOs of one, two, three people company, but they're not trained as CEOs. They're trained as workmen. They've got craft skills, but they don't spend their yeah. time using this. They go in the morning, they go to the shop, buy the stuff they think they need over the day, and then uh, uh, they leave the the. Um, The building place an hour or so just to get the stuff they forgot it's it's true that's actually why word and it's i think it's a smart move they invented their this um self-service boxes uh where you can uh, even go overnight and just open the uh, uh box uh, with your with your word 
um, ID and then uh, pick stuff and then payment is done uh, automated. Um, but let, let's going back and I understand now why people are uh, buying at your um, at, Ma at Manomado, even professionals. But um, 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 you probably don't know a lot of like custom zone content. But one of the main uh, uh, main um, the main articles or the main uh, the main thinking is about um, how to become like a, a major marketplace or a major platform today and uh, we see like at amazon we three uh, we see like three three pillars uh, for example we see like um, best selection uh, uh, best prices and best availability so and you as a as a competitor you have to beat them in all of these three categories and you can add a third one a fourth one or a fifth one it could be like your fair provider you have a better service or, or whatever but You have to be like the selection must be as good as Amazon prices as good as Amazon. And what's more important today, because it's kind of the convenience behavior, which you, uh, which you just explained in, in, in the professional area, it's availability. I, I want it now. I don't want to plan again. If I want to have it on, uh, on the weekend, I, it should be good enough to order it on Thursday. Um, if you look at your, uh, your marketplace today, And uh, from my perspective, for the standard B2C customer, Amazon must be one of your biggest competitors, uh, if not the biggest. Um, how would you rate these three pillars, Mano uh, uh, Mano versus Amazon? Yeah, okay, very good question. Um, I'll answer the three questions, and then I'll give you the answer in one word, which is actually a number. Um, selection. Um, selection. Uh, we've got nothing to um, to be ashamed of. We've got four million products now. Amazon's got tens of millions of product, ten of millions of products, including in our vertical. But as you mentioned earlier, maybe having five or ten um, drills on display is not enough. But definitely having two or three thousand drills on display is too much, and you're going to lose a customer. So there comes a point where you don't need more products. You need a better assortment, better mer merchandising. We've got category per category, what we think is the best selection. But more importantly, Alex, what's most important is not having the products in your, um, in your search box or in your search engine. It's having the right categories to be able to filter, filter them and find them. And that's Agreed. a difficult thing that Amazon doesn't do. I agree. That's, Ama that's where Amazon is failing. Actually, in most categories, they they have like a very bad search engine on at least on the desktop version. So you can't filter anything uh, uh, um, um, compared to other specialized shops. So I, I okay, I go with the selection criteria. You have a lot of products, enough, and a better filter, so you beat them on selection. Okay, got it. Price, pricing is easy. Pricing is easy because that is how we build our partnerships. We partner with people we're able to beat Amazon on pricing. So we only select merchants who we know have the ability to have a better pricing. And if you think that Amazon is always the cheapest, you'd be surprised if you start comparing because they're very cheap on the retail side of things, but we're talking marketplace. Now, some products were not as good as Amazon. It's definitely, for example, products like the Green Bosch drill is not something we would compete on because it's one of those um, must have products that they sell in retail with better prices because they've yeah. got more volume. But all, on all the mid and long-term articles, that's why I say 70% of our products, we've got better terms than Amazon because we source merchants who are able to make sure that they have good prices. Yeah. Okay. Got it. And then we come to uh, availability and that's where uh, it's usually very hard to beat uh, the Amazon ecosystem. How, how, how do you stay there? Well, Alex, honestly, 
Assuming you're able to find the new bathtub you're looking for on Amazon and you've got all the technical details you need and you, you're absolutely sure that that bathtub is the one you need, despite not having any technical advice, then do you think you really need your bathtub within 24 hours? Or is it likely that you're actually going to install it within the next two weeks? We deliver even bulky within 24 to 48 hours. Truth is, in our environment, uh, yes, if you need a, a bag of nails, you might need it for this afternoon. But when you buy something in DIY, be it a, a faucet, uh, a bathtub, a garden shed, a swimming pool, you don't need it for the next day. Actually, what you're going to need is to have a delivery slot planned during the weekend when you're sure you're at home and when you're able to uh, get, the, get the bulky item and make sure it, it gets uh, stored at the right place in your garage or your garden. And that is why um, shops and retail will never die in DIY because you've got a lot of last-minute purchases that you have to do on the Saturday morning. You're out of screws. You're out of, I don't know, one special size of, 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 um, of wrench uh, uh, or anything like this. But that's, and you always have those emergency last-minute purchases. But something in DIY that you absolutely need within 24 hours is rare. Within 48 hours, we do it. And when it's heavy and bulky, you actually want onslaught delivery and not 24 hours. Mm. Okay, got it, got it. Yeah, I think it, it, uh, you're able to beat them there. So my main provider in Germany is Hornbach uh, because they have the best taste in selecting the e-commerce software. But, uh, uh, but uh, uh, um, maybe I will try out Mano I will try out Mano Mano. I have to be honest, I never ordered at, um, at Mano Mano. I saw your spots, uh, but... Uh, Uh, right. So when it comes to low-level stuff like um, uh, Spux screws, for example, you know, I usually bought them at, um, at, uh, um, at Amazon, but I will definitely look into my own shopping behavior here. So maybe some, uh, some questions uh, that are related to this kind of um, service level you, you're providing. Um, if you're, I, I wrote an article over Christmas where it comes to... Alex, um, sorry. sorry, if you don't mind me interrupting, just I, I was telling you, I would give you the answer in one word. We launched, you're talking about Amazon. Now, Amazon is bigger in Germany than it is in France, and we launched because we launched Germany at Mano Mano later than in France, because we launched it in 2016. In France, we launched in 2013 at the same time as Amazon launched their DIY and gardening uh, category. We are bigger than Amazon in France in DIY. Oh, revenue-wise. Fact, um, figures speak louder than a word. I think that's the way they say it. We've hired... Our CFO is, was the CFO of Amazon France. Our COO was number two of Amazon France. And uh, our head of customer service was the head of customer service international at Amazon. So we, we've got a, a fair idea of, of what they do and how they do it. And in the first place, in the first instance, we wouldn't be able to attract those top talents if they didn't see in Mano Mano a real competitor to Amazon, first thing. And second thing is, uh, we've got an idea of what the figures are and we know we're bigger than them in France. Okay, yeah, got it. I, I believe you. I believe you. We, we still have to see how it plays out at uh, uh, in Germany, but uh, we will have a chance to um, discuss it because uh, we are we are uh, we are participating at the K5 uh, conference in two weeks from now, and your colleague uh, Nils Kernchen, 
yeah. will uh, will be on stage with me discussing the Mano Mano uh, uh, case. I hope everyone in the audience will have listened to this podcast uh, beforehand, so we can do the the deep dive, the real deep dive uh, uh, there. Sure. Um, I have like uh, uh, we don't have too much time left, but I have, uh, I have maybe two or three questions which, try, which we can try to wrap up a little bit faster. So, um, as I said, over Christmas I uh, compiled an article where I tried to find out okay. Um, how important is like technical capability, like IT capability for uh, for online companies? And it, uh, uh, one of the conclusions was that the most successful companies uh, in uh, in commerce, like Zalando or uh, or about you, even Amazon, they employ one IT member per two to three million euro in revenue. So if you're like a one billion company, your whole IT team, including product uh, uh, managers, uh, project managers, and it's like five hundred people. If you look at the Mano Mano organization and you're running now at a 600 million GMV, which is slightly different uh, to, to owned uh, revenue because it's marketplace revenue, would you, uh, uh, would you agree to this kind of rate? So half of your people are kind of tech people? Oh, yes. yes? It, it, not only it's just the same, same percentage, but the same rate. Uh, half of our people are tech people. We've got over 250 engineers. It's absolutely critical. We wouldn't be able to do anything without that, first thing. And that creates a differentiation. And the second point is, yes, you roughly have two tech people uh, for each million of, of revenue you generate. Yeah, in your GMV model. In Bull.com, yeah. for example, with uh, two million uh, in, uh, in uh, two billion in revenue, it's 1,000 people, 500 uh, in, uh, in tech. It's, 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 I'm talking, it's one, yeah, roughly one and a half tech yeah. person per, per, per yeah. million then, revenue. Uh, I assume probably correctly that like, during Corona, your revenue grew instead of some other businesses, especially offline retailers. Uh, they had like a, a, a dip in revenue, but I saw some uh, press uh, material. And I don't know if it's true that saying that 250% growth year over year when it comes to the month. Is it correct? Yeah. And even higher. Yes. Uh, well, what happened is that um, our sellers are our partners. And we had a lot of calls at the beginning of this Corona crisis saying, guys, all my, my channels for sales are closed. My partnership with stores are closed. My stores are closed. My own website is not functioning well. Please, I need to keep on selling. And so we saw a huge peak in demand. All the shops will close, of course. Uh, so we saw a huge peak in demand. And yes, for two months, um, we were about the only ones being uh, selling paint, for example, online. And it's a good thing we had a partnership with PPG and Axonobel because that, that allowed us to, um, um, you know, help people paint during the confinement. No. Also, I would have like a long list of questions. My most, one of the most important questions I usually, uh, uh, I usually try to understand is that um, the most e-commerce models, most retailing models are moving away from um, having the risk in the inventory, even uh, getting away from customer risk, moving into a model where they're only selling access to customers. You see it at Amazon. They're only selling access. Uh, you, can, you can buy ads. Uh, you have to ship to the customer yourself whenever the customer complains. It's all on your risk side. Uh, uh, the, the best example would be Alibaba because they're only selling ad space, more or less. No inventory risk, no customer, customer risk. It's kind of a it's, it's super virtual business model and that's what where platform businesses are going these days. Do you have already existing um, revenue streams that are not related to the product margin anymore or the basket size? Like, for example, as steel steel could buy for example the chainsaw category on mano mano and put a banner there is it possible yes yes we're in the process of launching it um so yes it already exists at mano mano um but i'm not saying we'd go exactly in the same direction as alibaba or amazon because they are generalists and we're specialists so we want to own the customer 
And we want to have a DIY-centered relationship with the customer, not just push on whoever wants to talk about or, or, or buy the, the ad. We want to have that relationship. And that means uh, being able to choose what you put in front of the customer, not just put anything because you're generous. And that's why we're not quite going down this model. Okay. What question should I ask uh, Niels uh, when he is on stage with me, a virtual stage in two weeks from now? What would be the smartest thing uh, from your point of view to ask him? Ah, that's a good no, question. No, don't push him in front of the bus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I would ask him, Niels, how are you, are you going to build a two billion business in Germany in the next three years? Um, and, and who do you think should be talking with in Germany to achieve that? I will ask him this question. Thank you for your time, Philip. I hope we can do like a, a second uh, a, a second episode uh, with Mano Mano um, uh, in, 20, in 2020 because as you said, uh, DIY is a big thing here in Germany. There are a lot of fans. A lot of people are looking at Mano Mano, trying to learn, trying to understand if, they're, if the OB online shop with a very small online revenue compared to the total revenue, if this is good enough. So because Mano Mano is doing much better. Uh, uh, hopefully it uh, works out for you. Congratulations to your financing round and thank you for your time. Thank you, Alex. Thanks you for having me online. I hope you enjoyed the session. Um, I definitely did because uh, DIY is uh, kind of a hobby of mine. Um, please post a review for this podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud or recommend a friend listening to the podcast so we can invite even more founders, CEOs, CIOs, CTOs uh, to Womlex to learn more from leading retailers, leading manufacturers and leading brands in the European e-commerce ecosystem. 